This morning's scripture passage is taken from two passages, 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 6, and then Matthew 11, 28 to 30. First from 2 Corinthians 10, 1 to 6. I myself, Paul, appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away. I ask that when I am present, I need not show boldness by daring to oppose those who think we are acting according to human standards. Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards. For the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We are ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. And then from Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, good morning. Uh, let the, please pray with me as we begin. God, it is your breath in our lungs, and so we pour out our praise to you and to you alone. God, um, anything of, of value, of depth uh, that will come from me, Lord, uh, is by your Spirit alone. And so, Holy Spirit, I pr pray that you would breathe your breath over these next few minutes. Um, that you may be glorified. Amen. I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I have to confess, I have not felt like being gentle uh, in these past few weeks. I mean, up until a couple weeks ago, we were a few months into a worldwide pandemic, something that has been a heavy burden to live under. Energy and patience stretched thin on the verge of snapping, the economy tanking, much fear and hopelessness and frustration in every area of society, and patience waning within homes and homeschooling. And then seemingly out of nowhere, though in actuality it was a way too long in coming, perhaps I should say, to the unaware, it was seemingly out of nowhere. A police officer and his fellow officers were caught on camera taking life from George Floyd. Uh, not quite yet. And already a burnt out continent was set aflame. I've had an angry, not gentle spirited few weeks. Images that many of us become familiar with have raised in me a rage and a physical desire to put my fist through something. White police officer Derek Chauvin 
kneeling on George Floyd, and I could probably just stop there. Peaceful protesters raising their voice, peaceful protesters raising their voice against racism, being shot at with rubber bullets and tear gas. So that another white male, Donald Trump, could stand for a photo shoot holding a, holding a, um, let's see, what is this thing again? Holding a Bible. A book that has the central theme of standing for the oppressed, a book that the entire storyline culminates in the coming together of all people, regardless of color or language, with an end to injustice. This book being held up to attract witless Christians to think that the man who tear gases and shoots at peaceful protesters is somehow on the side of Jesus. And then for us Canadians who think that we are somehow separate from this, the images we've just seen recently of Athabasca Chippewan First Nation Chief Alan Adam being brutalized by RCMP officers and the top officer finally admitting that there is racism even within Canada's highest police force. Did these images not raise an anger or rage even within you? A desire to dole out retributive justice, retributive, retributive (laughs) justice in a very not gentle way? They did in me. Let's call it like it is. I have this angry fire rising in me, and I am a white, middle-class, straight, Torontonian male. I've not had to live under the generations of systemic racism. I've not grown up hearing from my elders of abuses that they and their ancestors faced at the hands of the government, police, and random strangers. I myself have not been the victim of those abuses at the hands of government, police, and random strangers. And I have not had to raise my children on how to safely avoid getting the attention of the government, the police, or random strangers because of the color of their skin. Knowing that if they haven't already experienced racism against them, that they will, and it will be soon. If I, who have not had to live under the oppression of all of this, have a fiery anger raising up in me, how much more does and justifiably so should this response rise up in those who live under such racist oppression? And while we're here, um, I want to pause from what, believe it or not, is actually a sermon on gentleness. (laughs) I want to take the chance uh, to apologize as a white, middle-class, straight male who grew up in Toronto, I have been the recipient of more privilege than I have been aware of. One blogger wrote in a way that says what I feel better than I can. They wrote, I have identified as not racist for my entire life, and despite that, have done or said more things than I'd care to remember that were racist. Because that's the nature of white supremacy. Not only is it in our institutions and in our politics, but it's in ourselves, and it will be there until we do the work to get rid of it. For the places where I have not stood up, for the places 
where I have turned a deaf ear, for the places I've simply considered trying not to be racist good enough, but have not actually taught and fought against racism, for the places where I have not done the work to get rid of it within myself, in the church, and then in society, I'm truly sorry. Don't give up on all of us white folks. <laughs> While our privilege is ignorance is our, is our own fault, and we need to own that, and we need to confess that and do the work of repenting, Repenting, which means turning away from and going in a different direction. We also will need, I will need help and accountability along the way. I want to be and I want to raise my daughters to be anti-racist. Wow, I got into it quick today. Hey, usually you start with like a little joke, lighthearted story. Today we are looking at gentleness as fruit of the Spirit. What does it mean to be gentle in the midst of what our world is going through through these past few weeks? All of the fruit of the Spirit are virtues that, one, reflect the character of God, and two, are virtues that are born in us not by our own work, but by God, the Holy Spirit, living in us. These virtues are the fruit of the presence of the Spirit in our lives and the fruit that bears witness not only to the presence of the Spirit, but bears witness to the character of Jesus. The verse from 2 Corinthians that Garth read for us today began with, I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And Jesus himself says, learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Here and in other places throughout the New Testament, Jesus is described and self-described as gentle. It is a part of his character, it is a part of the character of God, and therefore the character of our discipleship as his followers. And this is not only in the New Testament. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah predicts what kind of character the hope for Messiah Messiah also means anointed king, so the hopeful, hoped for anointed king, what they would be like, gentle, riding on a donkey. The Gospel of Matthew, which is the biblical biography of Jesus, which tells us that Jesus is humble, uh, gentle and humble in heart. Matthew quotes from Zechariah. Matthew writes in uh, chapter 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus, about to ride into Jerusalem as the coming king, he rides on a donkey, a symbol of peace and of gentleness. Jesus is coming as a gentle king. He enters Jerusalem being proclaimed as Messiah, the anointed king. Uh, reading on from verse 9. 
The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And what is the first thing that this gentle king does upon his arrival? Verse 12, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The first thing this gentle king does is to smash up a bunch of tables in the most sacred space uh, and the most sacred building in their religion. The Gospel of John adds that he made a whip of cords, and then he drove out sheep and cattle. So just picture this, the scene of doves and sheep and cows running and flying everywhere, tables with money and cages being flipped over, and in the center of it all, a man with a whip shouting, get out of here! You are making my house into, of prayer into a den of robbers. In the center of all of this turmoil is the gentle Messiah. Is this what a gentle king looks like? And then we turn to the passage in 2 Corinthians that Garth read for us. Throughout this letter, the author Paul has been both encouraging the believers in the city of Corinth for the ways that they have lived for Jesus, but he's also been challenging them and challenging them quite hard on the places they have strayed from the good news of Jesus. And there is a group of people who Paul calls false teachers who are using powerful speech and human reasoning to try to persuade the followers of Jesus to move away from the good news. Paul appeals to the Corinthians by the humility and the gentleness of Christ. And using the gentleness of Christ as his base level, Paul gives them a warning that he's going to come with them with boldness, waging war, demolishing strongholds and arguments, taking thoughts captive, ready to punish acts of disobedience. Warlike imagery that does not sound gentle at all. How is it that Jesus is gentle and we are called to be gentle as he is gentle and in the same breath, the temple courts and the church of Corinth looks like a war zone? Now, first of all, I think we need to reframe some of our assumptions about what gentleness is. Let's pause for a minute and think, who comes to mind for you when you think about gentleness? Who comes to mind with you, for you when you think this person is gentle. I'll give you a moment to... Now, some of the most famous people with a reputation for gentleness are people like Mr. Rogers, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King. And you know who comes to mind for me when I think of an exemplary gentle person? Myrna Frost. For those of you who don't know her, Myrna has been a member at Spring Garden community for decades. She's soft-spoken, she's peaceable, compassionate, and she is tender, and she is strong. 
She is strong and she has stood up for the marginalized with care and strength. She has used her voice to lift up the oppressed and the forgotten. Keeping these people in mind, let's talk about biblical gentleness some more. First of all, many of us think of gentleness as a kind of timidity, uh, lacking courage or confidence. Some of us think of uh, gentleness as wimpy or fragile. And, and not in like a physical wimpy, not as a physical lack of strength or brittly boned, but someone who is if the idea that someone who is gentle can just be kind of stepped on or pushed over without any confidence. But these things are not gentleness. Gentleness, humility, meekness in Scripture is not spineless incompetence, but it is actually presumes strength. It presumes power even. Though to speak of gentleness as being strong or filled with power, we also need to address our misunderstandings of power. Mr. Rogers words it well when he said, Most of us, I believe, admire strength. It's something we tend to respect in others, desire for ourselves, and wish for our children. Sometimes, though, I wonder if we confuse strength and other words like aggression and even violence. Real strength is neither male nor female, but it is quite simply one of the finest characteristics that any human being can possess. Gentle Mr. Rogers, who is known for standing up for the oppressed. Next, gentleness is neither... Sorry, think again of those people who had come to mind. The strength of gentleness is not aggressive, violent, hostile, or quick-tempered. The opposite of gentleness is harshness and roughness, neither of which is synonymous with, the, with strength or with power. In fact, power in the New Testament is never rough or harsh or quick-tempered. The power of gentleness is consistent, reliable, steady, faithful. Next, Gentleness is neither selfish nor self-destructive. Think of the least gentle person you know and then the gentlest person you know. Which one regularly gets intensively defensive about things, seeing everything is somehow about them or against them, and which one is more apt to put others first? Gentleness as a virtue does not reactively fight in self-defense. It is not self-assertive, but it stands for others, and it uses power for the good of those who are powerless. Author N.T. Wright says, The way in which humans behave if they are to be agents of Jesus' lordship must reflect the same sense of vulnerable, gentle, but powerful self-giving love. In addition to being nonviolent, strength that uses power for the other, gentleness is not, here's that word again, retributive, but restorative. It is not retributive, but restorative. To be retributive means to give harsh punishment for an offense. An eye for an eye. You punch me, I'll punch you twice. But the Greek word that Paul uses when he speaks of the gentleness of Christ is actually a word that was used in the legal system. It means for a person responsible for administering justice, so like a judge, to show leniency and compassion towards an offender. 
While laws are stern, it is the idea that judges should punish with more mercy than the law prescribes. Now, just a small pause here. I think it's important to acknowledge that, that our systems has leniency and compassion towards offenders, but it tends to be also based on the color of their skin. That leniency and compassion towards offenders is not nearly as available to people with darker skin tones in Canada or in the States. So I'm not saying, hey, let's just keep going because we've got that kind of inner justice system. It is a significant failure and lacking as far as race is concerned. Justice does not seek out the worst punishment for others, but instead it seeks to restore. Other places in the New Testament where this word is used, Galatians 6, 1, 2 Timothy 2.25, Titus 3.2. Gentleness is the virtue we need in order to restore people together. Bringing people back into our families. Bringing people back into our communities who have erred. Bringing them back without arrogance or harshness or impatience or anger, but bringing them back with gentleness and love. Gentleness is restorative. But because gentleness isn't self-defensive or attributive, but it has the best for the other in mind, people who are gentle are able to challenge us in places of our greatest failings in a way that we will actually receive it. Instead of responding defensively, we are actually encouraged to do the hard work of bettering ourselves. Their gentleness is able to restore us and encourage us and lift us to new and to better ways of living. So let's go back to Jesus, the gentle king, wreaking havoc in the temple. What's going on here? Well, the temple was the center of Jewish worship. It was meant to be a place where those who loved the one true God of Israel could come to worship. They could come and bring sacrifices to God regardless of their economic status or their racial heritage. They were supposed to be provisions for the poor and for those who were not ethnic Jews so that they could come and worship. In fact, the temp part of the temple where the tables and the money lenders were was designed to be the place that was set apart for non-ethnic Jews to come to worship. But instead of being a sacred, set-apart space, the Jewish leaders had turned it into a market. They turned it into a loud, busy center of religious consumerism, all in the name of worship. The poor wanting to worship were forced to take loans so that they could participate in buying sacrifices. And worshipers not born Jewish were cast aside as second class. What was supposed to be a place of prayer for all people, regardless of color or economic status, was now a place of religious hypocrisy, of consumerism, the rich elite, and systemic racism. Spiritual oppressive violence against minorities and the marginalized. And Jesus, the gentle king, comes into this. And I believe that he didn't just come in and just kind of crazily loses shaving cream. He didn't simply have a fit a he didn't simply have a fit of uncontrolled hostile retributive violent rage losing himself 
But he used his strength and his power to stand for others, to challenge oppressors, to restore the cast down, lift them back up to equality, and to restore the brokenness of the temple system to their God-reflecting intent that was inclusive and welcoming for all people. The strength he used was nowhere close to the violence of the system and the practices that he was breaking down. Now, I want to show you uh, two more pictures. The first one uh, is of rioters flipping over and, and burning police cars. And the other is Jesus in the temple. Now, while these are very dissimilar in so many ways, and I'm not equating the two at all, there are a lot of similarities as well. Is the destructive violence of looting and rioting something that we should emulate? No. No, of course not. But even that is not nearly as violent or disgusting as the acts, attitudes, systems of racism in America and Canadian thought through the years. Not Canadian thought, sorry, just connect in the attitudes and systems of racism in America and Canada through the years towards blacks towards an indigenous people, really on some level towards every ethnic group, whether longtime Canadian or recent refugee. We need to find ways to stand against systemic racism, and I believe we need to seek to do so with gentleness, with tender compassion. The type of Jesus-like gentleness that Martin Luther King Jr. had selflessly standing up for equality through nonviolent protest, who with gentleness and meekness powerfully worked against darkness and hatred. Like all fruit of the Spirit, for Jesus-like gentleness to grow in us, we are completely reliant on God. I know within myself the injustices and inequalities coming more and more to light. My response to injustice is anything but gentle. Within myself, I'm more apt towards angry rage that is worked out in retributive justice. But like Martin Luther King Jr. said, returning violence for violence multiplies violence adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. If I want to be a part of God's kingdom in the world, ending inequality and injustice, I need the Holy Spirit to bear the fruit of gentleness within me. Like Paul writes in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Funny to think of gentleness as a weapon. Paul tells us in the letter of Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the principalities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
What greater principality of evil is there than the injustices and the inequalities of systemic racism? And in the same way that Jesus defeated these powers in his death, so we battle against the principalities of racism and all other injustice, not with the weapons of this world, which are violence, retribution, harshness, self-preservation, maintaining places of privilege, but with the weapons that have divine power to to demolish strongholds. The compassionate, restorative, self-giving strength of the humility and the gentleness of Jesus. Please pray with me. God, our world so desperately needs Jesus-like gentleness. Help us to stand for what is right and what is good and what is just doing so empowered by your Holy Spirit to stand against principalities of racism and all other injustice with the strength of love and gentleness of spirit. The work is hard, but your yoke is easy because you share the load with us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is gentle and humble in heart. Amen.